0: Good evening and welcome to The Catholic View. I'm Shayla Pirsch. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Coming up on today's broadcast of The Catholic View, we'll be shining the spotlight on Education Essay. But for now, though, please do stay tuned as we bring you up to date with some of the stories that made headlines in Africa and beyond today.
1: Listen to Radio Veritas, 576 AM, for a change.
0: In your headlines this Tuesday evening, a missionary's life is consumed in the service of Christ, says Pope Francis. Cameroon urges religious leaders to fight Boko Haram. And Haiti becomes a new AU member. Good evening once again, I'm Sheila Pirsch. We begin with church news. In his homily during this Tuesday morning mass at the Casa Santa Marta, Pope Francis said missionaries are docile to the call of the Holy Spirit, which leads them to be consumed by a burning desire to dedicate their life to announcing the gospel, even in the most distant places. Pope Francis reflected on the day's reading where Paul takes his leave from the community at Miletus and talks of being compelled by the Holy Spirit to go next to Jerusalem. The Pope described this call from the Spirit as an irresistible drive to donate one's life to the service of Christ and even to consume it or burn it up on his behalf. He said this was the flame that burned in the heart of St. Paul and every apostle and it's the same flame that's alive in the hearts of so many young people who have left their family and homeland to announce Jesus in far-off lands. As Zambians prepare for general elections in August, the bishop-director of Caritas Zambia, as well as Mongu Diocese bishop, Ivinsa Chinyamba, has called upon authorities in the country to act decisively against political violence and hooliganism perpetrated by youths and party units. The bishop raised the specter of serious violence during the country's August general elections if nothing is done to rein on political units. Last month, Zambia was engulfed in xenophobic riots, mostly driven by youths. The riots followed rumors of ritual killings in the capital, Osaka, and so vast areas of deprived neighborhoods descend into a frenzy of looting and destruction, targeting foreign-owned shops. Violence at the hands of unemployed bands of youths who do the bidding on behalf of politicians is a trend that has been growing in Zambia. All political parties have a wing of such youths whose role is to intimidate opponents and non-compliant citizens. (music) A Catholic church was burned to the ground in the northwest of Tanzania on the border with Uganda, Burundi and Rwanda. It is the third church in four months to be burned down after the Tanzania Assemblies of God and Pentecostal Assemblies of God churches. His Excellency Monsignor, Alma Vincent, Bishop of Kanyanga, appealed for calm and requested that locals cooperate with police to catch those responsible. <music> the Catholic Diocese of Wa in Ghana has a new bishop as of 7th May following the Episcopal ordination of Bishop Richard Bawabe, a member of the Religious Congregation of the Missionaries of Africa, also known as the White Fathers. According to VOA News reports, the imams and traditional rulers are being manipulated by Boko Haram fighters to convince naive young people to join the terrorist group. Some imams reportedly returned to Cameroon and lied to young people, telling them they will earn $500 per month if they join Boko Haram while they try to trick youths into thinking they are joining the military. The Islamic Council of Traditional Rulers and Muslims Dignitaries invited about 200 community leaders from the north of Yaoundé on Monday to talk about how to counter Boko Haram's influence. So far, the council has arrested several religious and traditional leaders in the north on suspicion of working for Boko Haram. Nigerian Cardinal John Onayaken, Archbishop of Buja, said in a statement that following the recent massacres attributed to Fulani herdsmen in the southeast of that country, it has become very difficult to preach unity and mutual natural love, and there are those who are already envisaging a clash between Christians and Muslims. The Cardinal pointed out that one of the primary duties of government is to ensure security of life and property of all Nigerians, which means that where you have any group of people, whether they are herdsmen or kidnappers or armed robbers, government should devise ways of effectively checkmating them. A Coptic Orthodox priest has been temporarily suspended in Egypt. Father Bolo's Mansour apparently expressed heavy criticism towards a Christian woman who, according to him, came to church not wearing appropriate clothing. Coptic Orthodox patriarch intervened and has temporarily suspended the priest. (music) On to other African news, the World Economic Forum, WEF in Africa, convenes in Kigali, Rwanda, from the 11th to the 13th May. This year's world-class business event will host regional and global leaders in business, government and civil society to reflect on developmental progress on the continent in the past 26 years and also share ideas on how to improve on Africa's economic growth path going forward. Under the theme Connecting Africa's Resources Through Digital Transformation, the 26th WEF in Africa will see leaders discussing the digital economy's potential to foster structural transformation, encourage private-public collaboration, and drive investment in order to drive the economic viability of the digital economic industry. Haitian Ambassador to South Africa Jacques junior Baril says Haiti, finally being part of the African Union-AU, is a place that the country earned as they paved way to other African countries to be free today. The Caribbean state of Haiti will officially become a member of the AU come the next AU Summit, which will take place next month in Malawi. In 2012, Haiti indicated its interest to move from its observer status to member status. It will be the first time any nation with non-geographic connection to the continent of Africa joins the
1: AU. Uh, Historically speaking, Haiti actually should have been in the uh, AU already. So we are glad that it's happening now. Um, we are very happy that uh... everybody came to the understanding that our place is actually uh... right there with uh, everybody else from the continent at the AU. i think one of the one of the first thing that we need to understand is um, by being part of the uh... of the african union we we opening the way to um, every african living abroad um, what what we what we'll call the african diaspora we're opening the way for them to actually come through so I think it's time for some of us to come back to our motherland and and contribute in the same way and 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 also politically speaking, I think our history speaks uh, volume. There's a price that we paid when we took our independence 212 years ago, and and everybody actually kind of benefit from. And I think that price alone that we've paid uh, will contribute to a lot of uh, uh, a lot of the the way that we're gonna move forward with this relationship.
0: The announcement by the Kenyan government that it's to close refugee camps is profoundly concerning and needs to be reconsidered, said the UN on Monday. According to Norris Stern of the UN Refugee Agency, UNHCR, as many as 600,000 people could be affected by the decision to end hosting for asylum seekers.
2: Our main message here is that we are appealing to the government of, of Kenya to reconsider its decision to end its hosting of refugees, which it has been doing now for over 25 years. And we're just asking the government of Kenya to avoid taking any action that could be at odds with its international obligations and to continue protecting hundreds of thousands of refugees living on Kenyan territory.
3: So you say hundreds of thousands and in fact 600,000 from your press release. Where are these people from? Where will they go?
2: That's right. So most of the refugees in Kenya are Somalis, but there's also uh, things significant South Sudanese refugee population living in Kenya right now. Uh, The majority of the South Sudanese are in Kakuma camp in the northwest, and the Somalis are in Dadaab.
3: So they have no chance of going home because there's civil war and ongoing fighting in South Sudan, and the Somalis, they are facing violence as well and persecution. So do you have any sense of when this decision by the Kenyan government might be enacted to close the camps?
2: Indeed, the situations in in both Somalia and South Sudan are are critical and uh, the refugees cannot be returned there. We don't have at this point a sense of of when this decision, if it is implemented, will come into effect. So we're very much hoping that the government of Kenya will continue to offer all the generosity and protection it has offered for the past 25 years to these refugees.
3: Is UNHCR talking to the Kenyan government for any other kind of way to integrate these refugees? Because as you say, they are really well away from the urban centres. Perhaps there's a sense from the Kenyan government, I don't know, that they're just not getting anywhere.
2: We are. um, Our Kenyan office is in touch on a regular basis with the authorities, generally speaking, but also on the statement that was issued last Friday, more specifically. So as you know, there's different ways of providing a durable solution to the plight of a refugee, and that could include voluntary return to their countries of origin. But the issue there is that it has to be voluntary and has to be done in safety and dignity. Another option is local integration inside the country, in this case, Kenya. So we are in discussion with the government, looking at ways of developing settlements in Kenya, that will benefit both the refugees and the local population.
0: And finally, according to the UN Secretary-General Ban Ki-moon, Mauritius is regarded as the most competitive economy in sub-Saharan Africa. Mauritius is also one of the first 15 countries to sign and ratify the Paris Agreements on Climate Change. Jocelyn Sambira has more. Mauritius's economic policies that focus on growth, employment, and strong social welfare system are models for others, the UN chief said. These initiatives have contributed to helping Mauritius become an upper-middle-income country, Ban Ki-moon added.
4: Uh, Mauritius met almost all the Millennium Development Goals, MDGs, and is regarded as the most competitive economy in sub-Saharan uh, region. In 2005, Mauritius hosted a critical international conference from which emerged the first global plan on small island-developing states for the 21st century, the Mauritius Strategy.
0: The Secretary-General also visited the world's first immigration office, Pravasi Ghat and Le Mourne Cultural Landscape, a former shelter for runaway slaves. The two sites are inscribed in UNESCO's World Heritage List. And those were some of the news headlines uh, from Africa and beyond, right here on the Catholic View. Do stay tuned. Thank you so much once again for being here with me on this Tuesday evening. Catholic View It is coming to you on Radio Veritas 576 AM, at on 870, DSTV, Bouquet and I'm Shayla Pirsch. Coming up next, we shine a spotlight on Education Essay. For the past few weeks, Limpopo province has been home to violent protests. We have seen 24 schools being vandalized and 20 schools burnt down. Apparently, protests escalated when angry residents lost court battle to have the area remain under Makadu, instead of being merged into a new municipality with Malamulele. As a result, about 60,000 pupils have been left with no schools. And amongst those, of course, are metric students who were due to write their examinations soon. The question is, where to from here? What happens to the education system in Limpopo province? So to answer that question and more, I spoke to Kenny Pasanchi from the Southern African Catholic Bishops Conference Parliamentary Liaison Office.
4: Yeah, I know. It's actually very sad. And, and um, thank you for, for having me again. Um, it's actually sad, and, and you just summed it up. You know, um, we, we always spoke about Lampopo, and Lampopo already um, has so many challenges. And now you have um, protest actions spilling over to, to, to the damage of, of, of property and, and schools. 24 schools, and I think there's an estimate um, of, what, 60,000? Um, um, learners in, in Limpopo that will be disadvantaged. Um, the minister this afternoon just mentioned that I think will cost about half a billion to fix those those schools that were totally destroyed. It's unacceptable. It's it's unjustifiable. It, it just doesn't make sense at all. That um, you would you would deny um, the learners the right to education. The very same children, your own children, denying their right education it's just unacceptable
0: so what's going to happen to these children i mean like you said 60,000 pupils that yeah. are out of school and uh, amongst them of course we have matriculants who have to prepare for exams what's going to happen to them now
4: i think there will be contingency plans in place i um, suppose to find um, accommodation schooling accommodation for these kids as well as for the matriculants to help them to prepare for, um, for the end of the year um, I just read a story yesterday um, that one of the schools, uh, some of the parents um, were guarding the school and um, somebody slipped in and still um, burned down the school. So there is a willingness on the part of some parents um, you know, to stop the madness. And I'm, I'm hoping that um, that will carry through as well. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure how this will be tackled, because obviously the schools will be rebuilt um, soon um and um yes it it's just these kids will just be disadvantaged um I, I must say i think uh, um about twenty people have have been arrested so far in connection with um, with the arson awesome attacks
0: yeah twenty one yes
4: twenty one people yeah so um yes it's, it's just you know i, I don't actually have the to describe how i feel about it it's, it's just so unacceptable um that um that these um outburst of anger, you know, um, relates to the damage of our schools.
0: Obviously, the frustration is mm. coming out in a different ways. So moving away, of course, from the Limpopo province um, mm. school problems, we look at anger being manifested in other ways as well. People have been keeping their racial comments to themselves for mm. many years, above 20 years of democracy. People mm. have been keeping quiet, and all of a sudden everyone is just exploding, be it by um, talking about raci- making racial remarks on mm. social media networks Mm. or by simply going out and protesting about different types of violence at schools like rapes for example you Rhodes University Mm. and now the Cape Town University also following suit and of course there's also that that anger that's coming out quite a lot among students at tertiary education There's there's a lot going on and you know, it's quite scary when emotions get to that level, let's put it that way. What's your take on the recent racial debates that are happening, especially amongst the young people, the youth, the future generation of this country?
4: I think in terms of the, race, um, the racial tensions or the racial incidences that we had recently, um, I, I think it's just than just the young people. I think the young people are just reacting to what's happening. Um, generally in our society. And and just to say that I don't think that people kept quiet beforehand. I think um, with the explosion of of social media and advance of social media, I think, um, you know, um, avenues um, were created for people um, to express themselves. And and I, just a theory of my own, you know, I think um, after most of the online newspapers decided to to shut down the, the comment sections, you know where usually a lot of people actually vented, and most of them were 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 of a racist nature. Um, and I think those very same people that used to comment, you know, um, anonymously, um, found another way. So after that avenue was closed down, they found another way to express themselves um, on, on social media. And uh, and the sad thing again is that. And and these are the things that that um, you know these racism it's not just it's not not just something um, out of the blue you know these are the things that have been discussed um, in the homes um, around Brise, um and obviously within within your campus uh, on your campuses within the schools as well um, is it a bad thing um, perhaps not I think I think we do need. Um, a discussion, maybe these incidences um, um, will urge us to have serious discussions around the challenges that we have um, around race, racism, um, identity, um, and, and yeah. So I think students also, you know, um, perhaps expressing that particular anger um, and also realizing that perhaps it's time that we also express ourselves
0: and also bearing in mind that South Africa is the second youngest democratic country on the continent. That also brings to mind that we, we, it seems like people expect so much to happen in less than 30 years. I mean, South Africa is only what, 22 years as a democratic country. And, um, You know, there's also the push for transformation, not just in the sports field, but also in the, in education system. There's that push for transformation. There's that push for, for children to be united, to embrace each other's cultures. Also the need to allow students to speak their native languages. So there's quite a lot of transformation that needs to still happen when it comes to the education sector. I'm not talking about the other, um, sectors, but, Basically, when it comes to education, there's quite a lot that needs to be done. I mean, you, like we've just seen now in tertiary uh, institutions, the fights were about uh, Afrikaans being removed. And at the same time, you find that other indigenous languages are not part of the constitution when it comes to teaching so where's the fairness in in that so there's quite a lot of transformation that needs to take place
4: absolutely absolutely and i think i think we've only actually started now to to seriously to look at 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 you know um to review 20 years did we do enough no we haven't done enough no we seriously need to to move it along um yeah, transformation is it's, uh, it's, it, you know some people think it's a dirty word, but it's not. You know, it's it's a it's a necessity. Um, and and just take the the the, the um, as you mentioned about um, certain languages getting preferences at at universities, um, while others are not even featuring anyway, uh, that is unfair. And for one particular language linguistic group to to maintain and, and argue no, but you know. Um, um, she's taking our rights away. If you if you turn this university, um, you know, open to other groupings, that doesn't make sense. Um, but we need we need this. It's, it's part of the growing pains. And, and you mentioned it. We're such a young democracy, and and I think uh, these are all the symptoms of the growing pains that we have. And we can turn a blind eye. Um, and I think that's just what we probably did in the last. years of a blind eye, but we live under this illusion that you know this whole rainbow nation. Um, idea, you know, um, that will just make everything okay. But I do think we, um, society's also realize that we need to tackle some of the things head on, um, and that is probably what is happening within our schools and, and, and just think universities as well. You know besides the, the the racial incidences, we're also talking about transforming the universities that they at least respond to your poorer students as well, you know, and hence the fees must fall, hence asking for free tertiary um, um, education. Um, so it's, it's just all part of the whole transformative uh, um, arc, um, transformation um, um what we're talking about in society
0: Right, Kenny, thank you so much for talking to us uh, Right here on the Catholic View Any final words concerning the education system in South Africa? I won't say the education system <laughs> But um, the e- education South Africa today Any final words with regards <laughs> to that? Any final
4: words? You know, um, I probably said it before Yes, we've got challenges, but I'm, I'm I'm the eternal optimist, and I do think um, there are lots of work being done to uh, um, that recognizes these um, these challenges that we have, and, and plans are being put in place to, to, to rectify those. And just one last thing on the fees, um, you know, tertiary education, um, and I think um, the report of our 2012 report in the department says that tertiary education actually can be free, and they suggested some various models, so um, I think do foresee um, that things can only get better.
0: My thanks goes there once again to Kenny Pesenshi from the Southern African Catholic Bishops Conference Parliamentary Liaison Office, CPLO. Inspiring Transformation is the theme for the annual Psychology Festival of Learning, which will be hosted by SACAP, the South African College of Applied Psychology, at their Johannesburg campus from the 19th to the 20th May and at their Cape Town campus from the 26th to the 27th of September. Sakap is mobilized by a vision of an empowered, caring society of integrated individuals who believe that in order to address the harsh realities that exist within South Africa, they need to train and inspire workforce of counselors, psychologists, coaches and leaders. <music> The World Humanitarian Summit in Istanbul provides a unique opportunity to launch a groundbreaking new education fund for children caught up in crisis. That's the view of Atif Rafiq of the UN's Children's Fund, UNICEF, who said the Education Cannot Wait initiative would raise new funds for millions of children affected by conflicts or natural disasters. The Education Crisis Fund proposed by the UK-based Overseas Development Institute is being backed by UNICEF. The fund to be launched at a two-day summit in Istanbul, which begins on May 23rd, would improve the efficiency and effectiveness of delivering education and prevent the kind of delays seen in recent years. Here is Mr Rafiki.
5: It's an attempt to do two main things, to really ensure that there is financing to operate at scale, to get education and learning opportunities to all children in crisis and in emergency so that actually education can be delivered very quickly at the onset of a crisis and that children have the opportunity to benefit from a safe environment and can learn. But it's also more than financing. The fund is really an attempt to try and improve the efficiency and effectiveness of the human Humanitarian and development architecture, that we really kind of firstly prevent the disruption of education by investing early on in systems improvements so that systems are resilient to shock, but also that there is a, and really critically, that there's a a better coordination between humanitarian and development interventions that we really plan for the long
3: term.
0: As you mentioned, Adif, of course, there are more challenges um, other than just financing. There is the security situation on the ground. If we took the Syrian example, just to try to understand more how this fund will work, how will you be able to help Syrian children with this fund
5: in terms of the, the the Syria crisis, I mean one of the problems that has arisen is the delay of getting education to children who have moved to other parts of the region, and really on average, I think it was a, a six year delay in terms of getting a lot of those children back into school Um, and that shouldn't have really been the case and that's what the platform and the fund is trying to to ensure doesn't happen it's that at the onset of any emergency that the fund will really support some of that immediate action but also in the sort of direct aftermath of a crisis to really kind of ensure that even at a regional level there's a there's an effective response and a a, a medium-term response to the needs of the, the, the children who have had to flee so it's about Again, focusing in on that kind of immediate onset of a crisis, ensuring that there is enough resource, there is adequate coordination uh, between different partners to really support some of that immediate action to assess where children are and to develop an an immediate education strategy uh, and really enact some of those plans to deliver better quality.
0: Preparations are now speeding up for the first ever a World Humanitarian Summit. What are your expectations?
2: What do you hope to come out of this summit?
5: The fund itself will be launched at the summit, and, and this is a, a unique opportunity given the, the actors that will be at the WHS and the profile that the fund will get as a result of being launched at the uh, WHS itself. So the expectation is that we have an opportunity to raise the profile of education and emergencies through the launch of the fund at the summit, but it's also to try and elicit support for the fund as it gets up and running through donor contributions, uh, not just from traditional donors in the field, but really through partnerships with non-traditional donors, with other partners who can really add value to what the fund's trying to do, both in terms of finances and the finance target that the fund hopes to meet, uh, but also in terms of in-kind expertise to really ensure that we're mobilizing the best knowledge, the best experience and skills we collectively need to address the disruption of education and learning. So yes, it's about getting pledges of support, financial support for the fund, but it's also about harnessing the expertise of a wider range of players, not just within the education sector, Uh, to really help deliver on um, the objectives that the fund has.
0: Hope you enjoyed our feature on education right here on The Catholic View. That brings me up to time. This has been your Tuesday's edition of The Catholic View, a program produced and presented by Shayla Pirsch for Radio Veritas. Should you wish to get in touch with me, feel free to send me an email, shayla at radioveritas.co.za. I'll be back again tomorrow evening at the same time. Until then, God bless you and ciao, ciao. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Shayla Pirsch i don't...